the invention would become a conspicuous failure. Said Henry Morton of the Stevens Institute of Technology of Thomas Edison's invention of the light bulb. The device would be a commercial and financial impossibility, a development of which we need waste little time dreaming. People will get soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night, said of the television. Wilbur Wright even said, man will not fly for 50 years. And after a number of disappointing failures, they were able to first fly there at Kitty Hawk in 1903. But even after that, a French military leader said, airplanes are interesting scientific toys, but they are of no military value. The horse is here to stay. The automobile, just a novelty. (laughs) Advice given to a potential investor in Henry Ford's Ford Motor Company. (laughs) There's no reason anyone would want a computer in their home, said Ken Olson, the founder of the company Digital Equipment Corporation. And we all have, we have them in our, not only in our homes, but at our fingertips and many of them on our watches. Do you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but do some of you remember silent movies? Right? A choir is nodding their heads back there, right? At one point, movies were silent, and then they started to introduce sound to the movies, And critics called talking movies a box office gimmick. Newspapers claimed that talking doesn't belong in motion pictures. Wow. I had a cheeseburger last night. But do you know that originally the cheeseburger was regarded as a crazy Californian novelty? (laughs) And an article in the New York Times said it just won't catch on. How many has McDonald's sold? The sign says billions and billions served, right? I'll leave you with this one. Do you remember Blockbuster? How many of Blockbuster video? Don't you remember you had to go down there and rent a VHS and you had to bring it back? You know, maybe it was a 24-hour or, you know, if you were in good standing, you could keep it for a few days. Well, then Netflix came along and figured out how to get people to sign up for mail-order DVD subscriptions, and you could keep it as long as you want. And later, the people who started Netflix offered to sell out to Blockbuster, and Blockbuster didn't want to have a thing to do with it and said no. And who's still in business? Are you watching Blockbuster on your phone, anybody? Anybody streaming Blockbuster these days? Perhaps you can think about your own story. Maybe your boss told you that your idea was no good and that it would never succeed. 
may be a teacher, and I, I, I hope, obviously there are not many like this, but I know that I've heard stories of a teacher who told somebody that they weren't smart enough or creative enough. Maybe someone in your family said you'd never amount to anything. You'd never be successful. And we would begin to look at the future through eyes dimly with discouragement and often a fatalistic kind of mindset that everything would just fail. I am here to say today that God helps us to prove this mindset wrong. Who would have thought that the Messiah would have come as a baby and would be born in a manger and that the Savior of the world would be God in the flesh? Emmanuel, God with us. And the way that it all came about seemingly was impossible then, but our God is a God of possibilities, not impossibilities. The story of the gospel is born out of what seem to be human impossibilities. But we know that the text says what is impossible with humans is possible with God. Does that mean that every person's going to get well? No. My stepbrother, David, didn't survive cancer and passed away, as you know, last week. I presided with a funeral yesterday for Meredith, who died of early onset Alzheimer's, and she's with the Lord. Thank you, Patty and John and Katie and Jackie, if you need prayer. We wrestle with these situations, yet we know that death does not have the final say because Jesus rose from the grave and lives today. And that is our hope as Christian people. Our God is a God of possibilities. Even though we face difficulties, we do so through the lenses of a hopeful God, through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The story of the gospel is surely born out of human, what are seemingly human impossibilities. But what is impossible with humans is possible with God because we live by faith, not by sight. Think about the stories you've just heard from the Gospels. Mary was greeted by the angel Gabriel, who also greeted Zechariah, as you heard from the text in Luke last Sunday. And Mary heard this news and wondered how it would be, how that's going to work, because she knew how it came to be. She knew how a baby would come. And she asked the angel how this would be, and the angel expressed to her that the Holy Spirit would come unto her and that she would become expecting through the power of the Holy Spirit. This would be a miraculous act of God. There would be no question. But I imagine, I can imagine what it was like for her thinking, wow, that, that's impossible. How's that going to work, angel? Yet may it be so as you have said. Or Joseph, 
he is to follow through on the marriage after he discovers Mary is expecting a child. And Mary must avoid being stoned to death when all of the neighbors hear the news. These things are seemingly impossible by human standards. And Zechariah, well, we heard last Sunday he and his wife Elizabeth were well beyond childbearing years. And the angel Gabriel appeared to him as he uh, facilitated his ministry in the holy place in the temple, lighting the altar of incense. And after telling the angel basically all of the reasons why it wouldn't work, he was silenced. And through the silence, the people of God who were assembled outside the temple, well, they knew that he had had an experience with the divine. All of these seemingly impossible situations, and yet this is how the story of Jesus begins. How can we learn from an, uh, this ancient past of ordinary people who faced seemingly insurmountable situations with great risk? Or how, how can I be more faithful and less afraid of taking risks as a pastor, as a church? How can we be more faithful to follow the Lord and less afraid of taking risks? imagine if people didn't take risks, this building wouldn't be here. Uh, recently, Wayne Stevens, who's uh, back at the sound booth, he united with our church last Sunday formally and will be baptized next month. And Wayne told me that part of his story that he is thankful. He said, Pastor Bob, I am thankful for the people who laid the first bricks at Huguenot Road Baptist Church because it was when I was walking my walk that this, I was walking around this church and I decided to come. Thank you that there weren't people who shied away from starting a brand new church on a plot of land on this road as, as the uh, county began to expand. How can we be more faithful and less afraid of risk as a church? I hope these stories will be a help to us. As we start asking, what are the impossibilities in our world what would we label impossible, and how can we live into the possibilities that exist through God? People say peace is impossible. Is it? What if more and more people embraced the lifestyle and the words and actions of Jesus? Oh, there would be more peace in this world. Racial reconciliation is possible because of the way that Jesus treated people who were different. It is not an impossibility. We must not shy away from taking those risks in this world today. Or people who are of different political persuasions, being in the same room together, as on Friday night, Fred Horn said as he led our music. He said, it's wonderful to see people of different political persuasions, Republican and Democrat, not asking people to raise their hands, but knowing that when a church assembles, there are going to be people of different political parties all together, and they, in the spirit of Christ, can do things together to build the kingdom. Or how about our church reaching its surrounding community, figuring out what their needs are, and ministering to those needs effectively 
even though it might require significant change in the way that we structure our ministries, our budget, and so forth, or in our families, restoring broken relationships, healing past hurts, praying for a relative or friend who doesn't know the Lord, who needs a relationship with him, breaking an addiction, overcoming past hurts and disappointments, and so forth. These can be impossibilities, or we can embrace a mentality that says, with God, all things are possible. Lord, help us to be faithful as we follow your plan as a church. We find ourselves at the same troubled mind as Mary, sometimes wondering over the impossible. We might even ask the same question, how will this be? How's it going to work out? And that's okay. It might seem impossible to us, but as we walk by faith, we trust that God will show the way. So the question is, how can the impossible become possible? Because Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. We need to remember that what this promise does and does not imply. It does not imply that all things are easy. Joseph's decision to take Mary as his wife, despite the social and religious repercussions, was not for the faint of heart. It wasn't easy, but Joseph exhibited immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. He just followed God. Sometimes we're called for immediate obedience. And yes, Lord, I don't understand it, but this is what I'm going to do. Second, it doesn't imply that all things are immediate. Reaching worthwhile goals as a congregation takes a long-term look. It's a marathon, not a sprint. A long-time investment for the future. Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for decades for a child, and in God's timing, it would come to be. And John the Baptist, their son, would be the one to announce the coming of the Messiah. Third, this fact that all things are possible doesn't imply that all things will be painless. Mary certainly teaches us that personal sacrifice is part of the process. She would bear pain from others in the community who judged her because of what they saw. She would experience pain from childbirth, and she would certainly experience the pain of Calvary's cross as she watched her son there. And fourth, Mary models for us what is critical to the discerning, will, discerning the will of God. What, I, what we understand as we're journeying together during this vision process is the prayer of holy indifference. Not my will, but your will we do, be done. She, uh, the prayer that she gives to the angel is echoing the same prayer that Jesus said in the garden. Father, that this cup would pass from me, but not my will, your will would be done. She is an example, Mary is, of becoming indifferent to anything else but the will of God. The prayer of holy indifference. That's what we're praying as a church. Almighty God, would you help us to be indifferent to anything else that might be distracting us, but uh, focusing on your will as a congregation. 
The will of God, as we have said several times, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. It might, be, it might not be easy, and it, it's not. It's not immediate. It won't be painless. There's always pain when we are stretched and when we are called to trust God on faith. But for those who are willing to step out in faith, for those who are bold enough to trust God to do the impossible, just like the original founders of our church who started out in a home and then moved to a school and then acquired this tract of land and began to uh, assemble buildings and ministries, continued, it's, well, it takes great risk. It's not easy. But the reward is always greater than the investment. I'm reminded of the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Do some of you like it as much as I do? Would you raise your hand? Many of you do, good. I like to watch it every Christmas. I, I need to see the unlikely angel, Clarence, come to George Bailey in his most desperate hour saying, George, you haven't built highways and designed modern cities as you dreamed, but you have made a difference in the lives of the people in Bedford Falls and that makes your life worthwhile. You, George, are highly favored. We live in one of the most polarized times in our history. Getting people to get along often seems like an impossibility. But with God, all things are possible. We are called to make a difference in the world through the simple but radical love of Jesus. Just as God in the movie used George Bailey to make a difference, to change his community, God can use us to do the same through the love of Jesus. I don't know if you watch the, the Today Show, but last week I was watching it in the morning, and I saw Kathy Lee Gifford interviewed by Hoda and Savannah. Anybody? Anybody watch it? Yes, several pages. And she has a new book called The Jesus I Know. And they were interviewing Kathy Lee about the book. She interviews people of all sorts of backgrounds, religious, cultural, etc., about Jesus and wants to know their perspective. What do they think about this Jesus? And in her book, which I, I, I would like to read, she makes the conclusion, as she said in the interview, that even someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, if they acted like Jesus and loved other people like Jesus, she, said, she asked the question, what would the world be like? Even if people don't believe in him like I do, she says, what would the world be like if they were to love like him, to be like him, to talk like him? It's a wonderful question to consider. And it's not impossible with God. To me, the Family Circus cartoon from last Sunday's Richmond Times Dispatch sums it up. Now, I had intended to have this blown up on the big screen for you, but our screens aren't working today. So I brought, uh, I, I always bring the clip just in case. And the cartoon ha uh, in the panel has the mom and dad talking to each other. And the dad says, 
to his wife, I love you. And then she says, and I love you. Tell me again, and I'll pass it along. And then the cartoon continues, and he told her, I love you. And then she turned to one of the children and said, I love you. I think there's one, two, three, four children in the cartoon. Each of them said, I love you. And the youngest said, I love you to the dog. (laughs) And the dog said, I love you to the smaller dog. And then that dog to the kitty. And the kitty to the bunny rabbit. And the bunny rabbit to the turtle. And the turtle to something really tiny, and I can't tell what. But the quote in the cartoon is this. From the tallest to the smallest, it's the nicest thing to hear. I love you. That's our calling, church. I love you. Today I pray, angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. You who sang creation's story, show somebody their true worth.